Hello and welcome to Open Door Films. Before I talk about my guest today, I wanted to briefly mention how in the middle of the podcast there was like a mild connection interruption, So, but I was able to edit it down to the best of my ability, so just please forgive the little fuck up on my end. And now, on to our sponsors before we're on to our guest. The first off of these sponsors is Fountain, which is, I've mentioned before, is a podcasting app that allows you to earn Bitcoin while listening to your favorite podcast creators, which I think is great because you're being basically rewarded for giving your time to your favorite artists while being able to support them by sending them Bitcoin or streaming them Satoshis that were being accurate. And for those of you who are creative and looking to create your own podcast, that's where the second sponsor of this podcast, Anchor, comes into play. Now, creating a podcast may seem daunting, but it's actually much easier than you think. I mean, you don't have to upload each of your episodes to each of the platforms out there. Anchor will do all that for you. That's right. Basically, just by recording yourself doing your spiel, you'll be able to publish the episode on Anchor. Anchor will publish it across all the other platforms. Apple, Spotify, Fountain, Lisbon, Curiocaster, Podfreeze, the whole shebang. Now, my guest today is a very special guest because it's very rare to garner respect for someone over a short period of time. And that's, although our conversation was short, I really hope to have him on the podcast again someday. And the, the filmmaker I'm talking about is Hassan, is Hassan Ahmad. Hassan is a, an independent filmmaker, writer, director, and actor, and just a very sincere and intelligent human being. We spoke in depth about just not just cinema, and how the culture shifted that many people just don't look to some of the great films from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, or even some of the great filmmakers like Sidney Lamott, who I feel isn't even mentioned that much nowadays or familiarized among modern audiences, which is rather tra tragic. Another subject that we discussed is post-traumatic stress disorder, which is the subject of Hassan's latest film that's in current state of pre-production, The Sand Runner, which he will be directing, no, he will start filming this January. Sorry, tongue twist there. And for someone like me who has no experience with post-traumatic stress disorder or any war experience, Hassan is very well versed in these subjects given that he has been in war zones and he has spoken with a lot of veterans who suffer from PTSD. And uh, although PTSD is something we've seen in a lot of war films, it's still treated with a, cer a certain sense of, well, with a type of sensitivity that prevents it from get garnering the empathy necessary for people to just try and better understand the kinds of issues these guys are going through. And I don't want to speak like an expert on it, given that I'm not an expert, and I feel that Hassan is better equipped, given the, what he told me about the veterans he'd spoken with and met with and all the facilities he'd been to as part of his research process. And... Uh, I just hope that you enjoy this interview. I hope you enjoy the show, and I hope you check out the sponsors, and I hope you just gain some gain something intellectually and philosophically to the equivalence of what I I learned from speaking to Hassan. Anyway, enough of my battling. Enjoy the show. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm just wanted to thank you for giving me the time of your day, and uh, just. Feel free to just talk a little bit about yourself and uh, we'll go from there. Because, I mean, aside from just film, we can just talk about anything because I just want to make this as authentic as possible. Of course, of course, man. It's a pleasure to be here as well. I'm actually in the process of now in pre-production for my film, um, The Sandrunner. And all roads... Everything I've done, man, has all led to this, you know. So this is a very unique project. Um, sort of sort of a project that may come every 20 years, in my opinion. So very excited about that. And it's just in a, in, in a drive mode of getting there. The film starts filming this January. So... Um, that's what I'm mostly occupied with, along with several other other projects going on. But uh, right now, man, that's what I've been into. And I apologize for being in the car, but I was stuck somewhere with yeah, a lot of very good connections. So, well, don't worry about it. Yeah. It happens. But uh, yeah, tell me about your film as well, and as well as how the process has been going. 
Yeah, yeah. So I can't say much about the movie, obviously, but it's called The Sand Runner. Uh, it's about a war vet that comes home right after September 11. And uh, it's a very subject matter story that deals with real life issue, issues because he's an Arab who joined the army after September 11th. But the film starts as they get deployed back home. Uh, but the process is going very well, man, because I, um, I've i got several really big names involved as far as actors go, but I'm playing the war vet myself. And that's why I'm, you know, growing the beard. And um, I've admitted myself for a whole month at the PTSD department uh, to really understand that. So every day I check in for 10 hours, you know, to, um, to, to start understanding how the process uh, for those guys, because it's very tough, man. Those guys who come home, they're dealing with a lot of mental shit. So, but for me as a filmmaker, as an actor, I don't like to just show up and think that I know it all. That's why I like to go through this whole um, uh, study. I like to study exactly what a person who's dealing with PTSD is going through or the war traumas, or even I go hang out almost every day with the war veterans, you know, who are homeless from the homeless shelters or just nowhere to go. And, and sitting with them and understanding their mindset, it's, it's tough, man, very tough. But as far as the filmmaking side go, everything is going according to the plan, man. You know, just right now I'm doing pre-production. I've got all my locations. Um, I'm now casting slowly for the right choices, the right characters. Uh, it's, it's, it's obviously never easy, but um, I love doing what I'm doing. And I really do believe in my heart that this is the one that's going to shape uh, a future for a lot of people who are involved. May I ask you something? Because this focuses on PTSD. What do you feel that people still don't understand about post-traumatic stress disorder? Because we've had a lot of military films centering on post-traumatic stress. And I'm, I mean, without giving away plot details or any, anything about the film you'd like to keep under wraps, what is it you feel that people still are, 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 are losing sight of? You know, honestly, man, and I'm going to speak this about anyone who deal with PTSD and in my study I, I have come to terms that a lot of the especially the war veterans you know we gotta be patient with those guys man and their families stop talking to them their wives end up leaving them their husbands leave their wives because they don't understand and not being patient enough to really get where these people are coming from I'll be lying to you if I say I totally understand exactly what's going on, but just sit with them and talking to them. You can see someone who's dealing with so much, but as soon as you give them your time, your attention, they come back here, man. So as, as a society, it's so sad that you look at them as if they're like fucked up in the head and they're like... Um, uh, um, uh, people who are like mental it's not man like it's just that you have to be patient to really get I think with these guys you know who are dealing with severe PTSD I think if you give them your time and you listen to them uh, and try to understand why they are dealing with so much I said with someone man who every 15 minutes hears gunshots and he is literally crying out for you. He's screaming for you. He's telling you, like, look, man, there's bullets going out of my head. His family don't want to talk to him. They don't want to deal with it. They're just telling him, oh, you, you know what? You're too much to deal with. This man is not making things up. That's exactly what's going on in his head. Give him your time. Give him your love. Give him your attention. And, and try to understand him why he's you know, dealing with that. I meet so many men whose wives have left them, families don't talk to them, and can't see their kids. And on top of going to fight for you, however they got involved, doesn't matter, man. Like if they were brainwashed or tricked into it or whatever, that's not the point. Point is that they went to fight and they come back. And instead of us giving them the time, the attention, the help to be there for them, 95% are just left alone in a corner. And 
I'm sorry to say that, but nobody gives a shit. I can understand that because do you think that the perception people make of people suffering from post-traumatic stress is over, they overcomp, they, they make it sound like an overcomplicated issue when it's just simple of talking to them? It is, man. It really is. Look, I understand. I know it's not something easy to deal with. But how can you just abandon somebody? How can you just walk out on them? Because you see the problem with nowadays, man, people don't got time. People don't want to have people. People are so fucked up. Like they, they've forgotten their morals. You know, they've forgotten that they need to take a break. Slow the fuck down. Loyalty, being patient, all of that's gone out of the window. Okay. And Karma is real, man. Karma is real. And you think that, oh, you know what, man? Me dealing with this person is just taking my time. You just got to get up and abandon and that's it. It's over. It's an issue. PTSD is a real issue. And we shouldn't just turn back. We shouldn't just, like, look the other way. You know, all my life, I've dealt with war. I was with my family captured. I spent from the age of four to eight in a prison camp. I know what that is. I know what's going on. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't, you know. You see, if you're looking, honest to God, if you just sit in your car and you just look outside, you know, it's sad. People are coming. They have time to go to gym. They have time to go walk. They have time to go take care of themselves. They have time to go eat ice cream. They have time to go... But you don't want to take like an hour out to listen to someone. So many people are depressed, crying out for help, crying out for attention. Give them an hour of your time, man. Talk to them, you know, understand them. We may have friends who are dealing with depression. We may have friends who are dealing with PTSD. But we don't want to take 10 minutes out to say, hey, man, listen, you're good. You don't look okay today. Look, you can talk to me. I'm here for you. That's all they need. So many suicides, so many people can be saved, can be prevented if someone just gave them five minutes of their time. Do you feel that they, the perception of people with PTSD differs in this country in comparison to other countries? Because I listen to a lot of podcasts and on different subjects and geopolitics comes into the mix from time to time. And usually the one commonality I find is that people in America have never had to deal with a war at home literally as opposed to other countries like uh other countries have had war have war literally take place on their front doorstep as opposed to us that's why because when you look at 9-11 tragic as it was i mean that's nothing compared to what other countries have had to deal with on a daily basis look man i know what war is you've seen it up close okay i've seen it i've lost People I know, I've lost family members. I've walked over dead bodies. I've seen blood. I've seen smoke. I've smelled death. And I don't wish that upon anybody. Okay? I, I don't. Crazy. I don't. But I would never want it any different. Because the man I have become today, I wouldn't. I would not trade that for anything. Because the affection because the understanding all of that comes through what you go through you become a man of what you go through you know and today when i can sit back and look at everything i can see exactly what's what okay now i i, I get I, I get it like i get it this country i know you know um, uh, they have never been to actual war so they're not gonna understand that but at the same time Fuck this whole education system put in place of going and showing up and reading a book and being told 10% of the truth about history. You know, I want these young kids, you know, to, to kind of like start traveling, to start their own, like, you know, go travel is the best education in life. Okay, when you go see other countries, other places, other planets, other other whatever it's just that you you learn so much you understand human emotion you understand it on a different level there are some beautiful people out there who will you you'll get education from them that you will never get it from college or high school or, or, or books 
So yes, you know, to come back to the point, that's the reason why here a lot of people don't understand or cope with that because they've never been through it. But the way life is going, the way everything is accelerating, even relationships have become a joke. Yeah. We have Facebook to think about. It's sad, man. It, we really do. We really do, man. And it's sad because you go hold the door open for someone, they look at you like you're weird. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, you want to know something? What happened? You want to know something messed what up? Happened? Even the way they're conditioning people to behave is odd. I mean, like... Uh, all these pointless gender issues are just kind of dumb and they're really just a way of conditioning you of how to interact rather than to empathize. Like uh, I want a few years ago, I was going to just apply for a basic job. And the friend of mine who was getting me the job told me just be careful not to say this because it could border on sexual harassment. Like saying, if you say something to a woman, like you look nice, that can be, a, that can be interpreted as sexual. And I'm like, okay, then why don't I just straight out insult them? then because i might as well if i'm if saying you look nice possibly and i don't even go there because even people are turned off by that now it's just absurd but yeah i get what you're saying people have just become atomized in many ways i don't know man it's just real friendship the true meaning of friendship of being there for someone of, of brotherhood, of decency, of being faithful, of loyalty. It's just, I'm not saying gone 100%, but it's just fading away, fading away, you know? And it's just a shame, man. It really is. And all I could do, and that's why cinema is important, all I could do is through my films, Educate, try to educate, try to wake people up. You can't, if I, if my film can play for a hundred people and I can wake up one person or change the perception of one person, I've won, you know, and that's all I can do. I say the same with this podcast, as long as a few people can be listening and get some intellectual heart on from it. I mean, that's just, I mean, I know I use crass ways of describing it, but for me, I need to be intellectually stimulated all the time. I mean, that's my issue. I mean, I'm very, I'm a guy who likes solitude a lot, but I like to read. I hate, the only social media I use is just to publish episodes of this as links and that's it. And even that is like the non-popular types. I don't use Facebook because I don't want them taking my data. But uh, yeah, tell me about your your views on cinema and just like what got you into it in the first place? What, I mean, was there that magic, that one film that just made you think I want to be a filmmaker? one day and not at all not at all man i came to america when i was 14 15 years old and i don't know from the get-go i knew i didn't want just the grind the daily grind of you know school and work i just it was not me i had a feeling that i was born for something different honest to god and uh, I didn't even think about movies, but I knew I wanted to do something. And and I remember, man, I was like in high school. And one day I was like uh, 17, just graduated school. And I said, I'm not going to go. I was one of the best soccer players. I got offered so many offers for scholarship. I turned everything down. I told my father, I said, I got to go. What? I said, I got to go, you know, I'm, I'm just going to pack my backpack and I want to just travel. Keep in mind, you know, we came from a very poverty country, poverty and not rich family, it was very poor family. And But I packed my backpack, I had less than $100 in my pocket and I just started traveling, man. And I traveled and I traveled all over America. I have no idea how I would just find buses and, and trains and just, just go, you know, and I, I went to New York. I stayed there for two years as a free spirit and I just connect with people and, you know, the long story short, no, four years ago, 
I said I want to make a film. And but keep in mind, you know, I would always write throughout my whole life. I, I write, I know I'm a really good writer, but a lot of people when it comes to movies are stuck making one movie for 10 years because they have a script, nobody wants to give them funds. And for some reason, they think they deserve to get funds. They think that somebody will come and say, hey, here's $5 million, go make a movie. It doesn't work like that, man. And I knew from the get-go. So I found a few people that were kind of sort of like me, they had a dream. And I said, listen, I am going to make a movie. No budget, zero budget. I am going to be the top guy one day soon. You guys want to go with me on this ride? Go with me on this ride. You don't want to go, I'll find someone else. But I'm going to make this movie one way or another. These guys understood. And they said, look, what's the plan? The plan is in, in less than 10 days, we shoot a full feature film. I have the script. We don't need actors, nothing. We just go to, for example, the story took place on the border of Mexico. Also took place the deserts of California. Also took place in Florida. Also took place in Ohio. And I said, each place we go to, we go knock doors. We get the locations for free. We get local actors. We explain to them, we go, let's go, let's do it. So long story short, man, I went to the border of Mexico. We just driving all of us together, small crew. And I would go find my locations. I would tell the locals, look, this is a movie. It's not a nothing. It's just a small feature. You guys want to act? Let's go. I shot the entire movie in less than 10 days. Four different states or locations. And which film is this? Because I noticed. It's called Crossing. It's called Crossing the Line. I won on that one when, when we edited it, put the music together. I won Switzerland International Film Festival. Mm -hmm. uh, I was competing with 25 really good, well-made movies, but I guess they found my story interesting. So I ended up winning it. It's on, uh, I put it on YouTube because um, it's, it's not a full, it's like 70 minutes long. But uh, that was my first one, man. Nothing, no budget, nothing. And I did it. And I didn't sit on my ass. I didn't wait for budget. I didn't wait for somebody to come give me money. And I made it happen. And then after that, that film got premiered in a few places, including Florida. People loved it. Somebody came from that. They watched it and they approached me. And that's how I began my second film, which is The Tasmanian Devil, boxing movie. Um, with some, you know, well-known actors that I was able to afford. You know, Eric Roberts, Bladeen, Eliza Roberts, few, you know. I had less than, I can't even talk about the budget. It was ridiculous. Less than like 60K. And I shot a full feature boxing movie, 90 minutes long. More than 50, 60 locations in Florida and in Chicago, because it's based on true events. I wrote, produced, directed, and I played the lead boxer. And now this movie is in major festivals right this second. It won Toronto Independent Film Festival in all eight categories. So it's, it's shattering festivals, you know. After that, I just wrapped up four weeks ago a feature movie called The Delano Files with Costas Mandalore and Biling and a few other people. So that just went to post-production. Uh, the trailer, I put it on LinkedIn. I'm sure you, I don't know, I'm not sure if you've seen it or not. Oh, yeah, but, I'll definitely include them. I'll include them when I publish this episode, all the links to your material. So, but yeah, keep going. Yeah, man. And now, like I said, now uh, I've, I'm, I got well connected with some A-list actors. I've become friends with them. I've become friends with some big producers. And that's how life continues. But the point and the moral of the story is, if you want to do it, man, just get up and go do it. Don't wait for people. Don't wait for nobody. Nobody's going to come and do it for you. You got a goal. You have an ambition. You have a dream. Chase it. And as long as you are running after it, nothing can stop you. And that's what I'm doing, you know, so. that's. I'm glad to hear that. And uh, is can I ask you, what, I mean, do you look to any films or any directors as inspiration for your work? Just 
just as a, additional material, because it seems like you're you're focused on very intense subjects. And I mean, the idea that you made a boxing movie is fascinating because I think the boxing movies are, well, they're not, well, I think they're kind of having a return in some sense. And I do like boxing. So just tell me more about that. Yeah, to be honest with you, man, I love, love, love uh, Stanley Kubrick. And I love Sidney Lumet, which a lot of people don't know. But he made one of my favorite movies of all time, you know, 12 Angry Men. Um, you know, so those are a few directors that I just absolutely love and adore because of the subject matter they do. I'm not a boxing movie fan, man. I think boxing movies are basically like the same storylines, um, you know, rise and the fall. But the reason I did this one is really because the film is honestly not even about the boxing in the ring. The guy had such a complicated life and he was involved with the mob in Chicago. And so there's a lot of things happened outside of the boxing ring that I found it unique. It's very um, similar. It's very similar to the Jim Sheridan film, The Boxer, in many ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it is similar. It. It's similar. Yeah. The one with Daniel Day Lewis, because I feel that people don't. That's an. I mean, it's interesting you bring up that film and even uh, Sydney Lamont, because I feel that people have forgotten about. I don't hear much about Sydney Lamont, and I haven't seen all his movies. I've seen a lot of them, but I just feel like he's been forgotten. People, if you mention Kubrick, there's a better chance. But with Lamont, when you look at the films he made, especially in the seventies. Serpico, uh, Dog Day Afternoon. One of the best cinematic movies, I'm telling you, man, and, and I'm so glad you said that because people have forgotten, you know. Guy was 17 years old when he made 12 Angry Men. No, yeah, I've seen it. It's great. I mean, seriously, man, like my mind is just blown away by this guy. Because to Henry make a fucking movie... Fonda. To make a movie with Henry Fonda in a room and and keep it so engaging. I'll be lying to you if I said I have not seen the movie more than 50 times. You know, I've seen it and every time I watch it, it's it gets better and better and better. You know exactly the scenes, you know, the ending. You just can't get enough of it. And and it's a shame, man, that people, especially the young generation, they don't have a clue. You know, it's who this guy is. Yeah. And you know, it's weird. I've brought this up in other in other interviews because most of the films nowadays that get a wide release are superhero films. And the only ones that are good, the ones that are genuinely good are the ones that don't follow the formula and play like love letters to old cinema. Like, did you see the new Batman? Yes. And what did you see there? You saw a movie that was very there was not well it was mainstream but it was a love letter to great directors like david fincher and a lot of the william wilder and all the other all noir directors and joker i mean that was a a movie that was paying tribute to scorsese yeah taxi driver and and most of those older and last comedy which now when i after watching it again recently i look at as a horror film because it kind of predicted the whole celebrity culture phenomenon. It, it did, man. But what about that movie? What a beautiful, simplistic, but a character study movie. Yeah. The King of Comedy. Yeah. Okay. Or Serpico. Serpico is a beautifully well done film, man. it's just that it's a shame that people have forgotten those movies uh dog day afternoon it's another movie that's just unbelievable um but yeah i mean like sydney lomet and uh uh, stanley kubrick you know he's he's um another very unique was a unique unique gentleman um but these films are very unique too so for me man like for me i i love like drama Drama, suspense, those are, you know, what I would love to be well known for it and accomplish. Um, I never want to be repeating the same films or do, do things that are done over and over again. I want to be, you know, 
when I when I'm gone, you know, I would love to be remembered as someone who created different type of cinema, you know. So I was actually checking to see. I was actually checking to see what Sydney Lamont film I just added to my list because I found one. Oh, I haven't seen it, but I added it to my list on Prime. The Offense. I don't know if you've seen that one, but oh my god, yes! Don't spoil it because you know what? I haven't got uh, a chance uh, to see it. He made so many films. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely saw his final film before he died, before the devil knows you're dead, and that was a very yeah. even for a, a final film that tells you he still had it. I mean, the same with Kubrick and Eyes Wide Shut, which to me is my personal favorite. Of, well, that's hard. You know, when it comes to Kubrick, it that's is. hard. Mine too. Yeah, but mine too. Mine too. That's one of my personal favorite movies of him as well. I have my own views as to why people have forgotten about these great films. But what is your what is your personal take on why people don't go to the go go see these types of movies that do require you to think a lot? You not see what? Oh, I see. I just want your personal take. Think about think about TikTok. I don't have that's that's that's, I don't have one, but that's one of the reasons why this generation is going where they go. Okay, Mm. so okay, it's funny if you want to go and find a group of kids and tell them, Hey, um, who's your uh, favorite TikTok superstar? Who's your favorite YouTube superstar? Who's the best? makeup uh, for this type of group of people they will tell you every single bit you know and like that like that okay but ask them about the films 70s 80s 90s early 2000s they won't they have a clue so 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 apps like tiktok and you know all of these things and think about one more thing Bring someone and tell them, hey, there's a movie. It's two hours and 10 minutes long. Oh, I'm not going to watch it. Are you kidding me? I don't have time for that. What do you have time for? Oh, I go to TikTok and I watch 15 seconds. Why do you think they made these shorts on YouTube? Even YouTube now got these shorts that are like 10 seconds and people are addicted to those. The only shorts on YouTube I watch are martial arts videos for specific moves. I find those useful because it's a specific move. But outside of that, I hate the shorts for other stuff that is much more important. It's quite annoying. 95% are junk and nonsense. And it's just a mindfuck to this generation. And it's just like telling you, man, TikTok, there's a deeper layer why it was invented. Okay? It's a distraction for this generation. No, it's all telling you, man. Yeah, but that that one particular, okay. So, and I think that's one of the big reasons why so many great men or women in films are getting forgotten because of what's happening with all this. No, um, you think you think anybody will tolerate a Terrence Malick movie? No, my God, no. And 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 that's another man. Think about his line of work, okay. Think about the beauty this man is producing. Who the hell knows him? Who the hell knows his movies? Men like us, because that's art and cinema to us. But who? Honest to God, tell, tell, tell somebody now, hey, there's a new Terrence Malick, Malick movie. Let's go watch it. Technically, we don't even know Malick because he's very, he's basically, I mean, there's like, what, one picture of him in existence. And he's like a mystery. Met him. Yeah, I met him and I've had a... Oh, you met him. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've met him and, and have a great conversation with this guy. But uh, uh, think about this, man. Think about... Um, hey, you, you all uh, right? Yeah, I was talking and then the screen froze. So I guess it was probably my phone or my uh, connection. Um, oh, don't worry. I'll edit. I'll edit that shit. Don't worry about it. What were you saying? I don't even know. I don't have a clue. Where was I? We were talking about Terrence Malick. And what you Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I met him and we had a, a, a good conversation, man. It was really unique. And he's, um, you know, because he doesn't, I think, you know, he doesn't give a shit about people's opinion. 
Baka. And he does exactly what he wants to do. But um, I don't know about you, man, but I find these movies like paintings, you know? It's, it's painting, like it's, it's, I get the most, like those type of films, man, are the reasons why I'm, I'm a filmmaker, you know? I go, I, I went to his movies, not a single soul is in the cinema when you're watching it. Yeah, at least you got it all yourself. It's such, such a shame, absolutely. I know, it's, it's a such, shame. It's such a shame, man, it's a shame. Because if you go make a movie about some dumb, stupid horror movie, it's basically shit, it's a packed house. Okay. It's if and it, and if it's a good horror film, people will walk out because mm-hmm. the really good ones, and I mean the really yeah. good ones, like a get you to think. Like I don't know if you saw Annihilation, but that movie was. Oh man, that was a I love movie. Annihilation. It was man, a horror I loved film. It. That that just basically, ex- I mean, those horror films they explore some of the deepest questions of the human condition, and there's one I still haven't seen because I'm too much of a chicken shit from one scene it's that movie with robert pattinson high life i don't know if you've seen it but i've seen it you know you know what fucking scene stopped me that's this i mean i don't know if i'll ever revisit it i hope i have the balls to do it but that scene it just makes you so uncomfortable in your skin but it makes you wonder what it means to be a human as a result of that type of reaction but yeah going back to what you said about malik the guy does make paint stuff movies that are just equivalent to that of paintings. Cinema, you know, it's cinema was intended for that. It really was. And I and I understand, man. I'm not saying that everyone should have that taste. I, I get that, you know, but come on, man, not to this instinct and not not that much to where not a single person is watching it. You know, it's crazy. But unfortunately, that's where the generation is heading. And it's just, just like him. You make cinema, and you hope that someone out there will watch and appreciate your work. And that's all that matters. That's it. Nothing else really matters. You know, it's very odd that even the big budget directors who do make really intelligent films, the only reason they they have the luck they do is because they started out early with small independent ones. But if they started now, they probably wouldn't receive that type of attention. I mean, Christopher Nolan makes big budget movies but his movies are intellectual they explore themes that are terrifying i mean hell look at denis villeneuve's doom i doubt many people understood the topics that were under underneath that film but when i saw it i saw so many things that are going on right now that are present in that movie that are very relevant warfare geopolitics yeah the acquisition of certain resources how it's all a power play I even understand. Yeah, Denis. Yeah, man. Like, Denis is my top five favorite directors. Hell, you know, it's sad about some action movies that are actually smarter than people realize. I don't know if you watch the John Wick movies, but some people just see them as straight up shoot them up. I don't. I think that they have to be marketed as as action films, but I think they're much deeper. They that they explore that they just explore a very complex character and they do it in a way where they don't have to give you a lot of dialogue about the rules that's the good thing they just execute it with so much confidence and they don't treat you like an idiot so many things in those movies just do it so well and uh i i guess i just want your opinion on that when it comes to the way certain movies are made i mean what it, it's gonna have to have i mean what we as far as like what topics we're talking about or what like for example the John Wick movies you know the John Wick movie to in my opinion is not only it has some great action but it's not brainless okay we know some movies I think we both know very well there are a lot of movies out there that they just throw action after action after action, but it's just there's nothing. There's no story. There's really nothing. And they did it because they know people love action or certain group of people love action. The John Wick movie, um, it's really got deeper layer storyline than a lot of people realize. Yeah, um, about a man who wants to die. He, exactly he, exactly he, he's a contradiction i look at him as 
I don't know if you've ever heard of this term, but in back in college, there was this in this film class, we were, we were using certain movies to explore something called the Thanatos complex, where basically a person who I mean a person cannot function in normal situations, but whether when they're basically engaging in self-destructive behavior, even behavior that can get them killed, they are more comfortable and more alive than ever. Hell, even in the first one, when that beautiful scene in the nightclub, when he's killing off the song that playing in the background says you're alive. And even though he says he wants to live in peace, he's basically very good at get uh, killing people or putting himself in situations where he will most likely die. Hey man, you're saying the words that I want to say. So we're on the same page when it comes to that. That's exactly what is in his head. But those movies are done very well. And a lot of audience who go watch it, they're not even paying attention to the storyline or what's symbolism. said. Or, yeah, yeah, or what's in the background. Look at his yeah. tattoos at his back, the Latin. Guess what? It, I mean, I don't know what the Latin says. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I, le I learned that the tattoo on his back, that it's in Latin, says fortune favors the brave. And when you think about it, look how many times he's almost gotten killed, and yet he survives, even though he's probably fractured more bones than he can afford to have fractured. Or, yeah, he's just, he's just able to survive. Very true, man. But I don't know, man. I love films that are drama, storytelling. And when you walk away, it stays with you for a while. A movie that stayed with me for a while, man, was Prisoners. Oh. That, yeah, that movie, man. Because there's a lot of movies done on that genre or similar. But I'm telling you, man, that movie, in my opinion, and it really didn't get much attention or if you talk to a lot of people nowadays they don't even know that movie exists but what a movie man those characters and the, the whole built up to that beautiful ending yeah, that movie stayed with me for a while man did you see it in the theaters yeah i did what was the reaction of the audience because you know what i i mean here's the thing one of my ex the experience i had from watching the movie i loved it every second i was hooked but at the end, that final shot, some dickhead in the audience said, ah, that was their reaction. And I figured, because that ending, I, I get it. It's not for everybody. It doesn't give you all the answers. It just leaves it open to interpretation. But the fact that those kind of endings, that it's very rare for a film to show that kind of ending that is just so open-ended. I mean, pun Why the fuck do you want to be spoon-fed? Why the fuck do you want the director to come and just tell you, look, these people are so lazy, man. They just want to be spoon fed and told exactly what's going on. Hey, this is why we did it. I had actually, unfortunately, it was four people on the on the opening day of that movie watching the movie. Really? Okay. I walked out. There were two dickheads saying what an awful movie that was. And they wasted their time. And it was long and boring. And oh, my God, he kept crying. So. Oh, that's a surprise. My theater was packed, but yeah, well, it depends where you were and what 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 city. And you know, I was at that time in Ohio, and uh, it was a small town. Oh. Um, yeah, it was a small town, and so it wasn't that it wasn't in, in in a in a popular place. It was a small town, but yeah, I didn't. I did. They seemed like they couldn't stand the movie. It was just boring and long, and um, so but. But for me, man, that movie stayed. That movie stayed with me for a long time. And those performances, oh, my God, man. Paul Dano, just like everything about that movie was perfection. Everything. For me, I mean, I guess the film that sticks with me a lot is probably, I mean, this may sound twisted, but I am a big fan of There Will Be Blood with Daniel Day-Lewis. There's just... <laughs> that's, that's, that's my favorite movie of all time. I'm yeah, not, but um, yeah, I kind of, I mean, I don't, I know this may sound sociopathic, but I actually can relate to De that character that he played in many yeah. ways. I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, I dislike, I, I, I'm very misanthropic in many ways. I hate crowds. I feel that a lot, there are so many people out there that are so stupid that I just don't, I can't empathize with them. 
I mean, I can have an yeah. individual conversation with someone like you, but when it comes to crowds or just group mentality, you know what? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it I, I can I understand you, man. I, I'm telling you, I understand uh, you. People are going to end up thinking I'm a sociopath by the end of this interview because I mean, <laughs> let's be honest, he does some effed up shit in that movie. Yeah, but you know what? You sort of understand him and you sort of understand why he's doing that. And that's the genius of the script. Uh, and Paul Thomas, Paul Thomas Anderson is my favorite director of all time. All time. The master. I don't know how many times I've seen the master. But have you seen the master? Yeah. I saw it okay. right I mean, once I saw There Will Be Blood, I had to see the master. Paul Thomas Anderson is my favorite director of all time. Like, like he's up there, man. Like he's there, you know. But there will be blood. I can tell you every single scene. I can tell you from beginning to the end. I, that's another movie, just like Twelve Angry Men, that I have seen over fifty times. I know it's a film I I always revisit every couple of years. I wait for some films because some are just so old, man. You want them to be it's preserved. Gold. I mean, take for instance. Take, for instance, Raging Bull. That's a great film. And I think it's probably Scorsese's masterpiece, but it's a very emotionally exhausting film. It is. It's, uh, it's, it's, for me, Silence is his best movie for Which me. One? Silence. Oh. It's definitely not yeah, as conventional. No, not, not, not many people know that he even did it, but Silence is my favorite movie from Scorsese ever. But Raging Bull... As, that's another movie that you really don't watch it for the boxing scenes. You watch it. It's not a boxing for, movie. It's not a boxing movie. It's not, you know, even though it's Jake LaMotta and, and, and it's all of, of, about the boxer, but man, it's all about the outside. And one of my favorite scenes ever in that movie is when he confronts his brother because he thinks his brother is cheating on him with his wife. You remember the scene where... where it's never clear. You actually, what's great about that scene is you don't really know because of the way Joe Pesci just pulls off the, the disgust on his face. Because at the same time, even if he didn't cheat on the wife, imagine if your brother asked you, did you fuck my wife? I'm like, how the hell can you ask me that? Because yeah, but man. You have, that, to be twisted to ask your, you have to be twisted to ask a family member, did you do this thing, which seems... Yeah, but like the, the like the nearest character is so insecure about his whole like whatever is happening with him but that scene man like the way the interaction and then when 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 joe pashi walks away and then he just casually walks in and beats the shell of him in the house punches his own wife and then walks away that scene man oh yeah so i've seen that movie a lot too man like as you know we're both similar when it comes to movies but these are pure cinematic gold movies, man. You can watch it over and over again. There are movies nowadays I, I don't even bother. Like, I, I watch movies that I know my time is valuable, you know? So yeah. I watch movies. I'd rather go back in the 70s, 80s, 90s than waste my time on some of these movies today. So, <laughs> but Raging Bull is, is an all-time classic, man. But I have Silence, man. Silence is a hard movie to watch. But for me, you know, I think that's his best movie that he has ever done. And he's done some great movies, man. What is it about Silence that makes you favorite over Scorsese's more conventional crime-based work? Because usually people turn to, and I know I, you shouldn't go with what people go with, but people, but everybody, uh, it's usually films like Goodfellas, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull. For me, it's hard. Because to so many directors, I believe me now as a filmmaker today, I could go and create something that will be a good fellas, that will be casino. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm like, oh, like him, no, but I can do something like that. But Silence Man, Silence showcases a director's 50 year experience. You know what I mean? No, it's just the scale and the transition, how smooth, man. When you watch that movie and you see how smooth scene after scene is just transitioning and 
it's a, it's it's just unbelievable the confidence you can see like glowing all over the screen those actors giving the performances flawlessly it's not because of them it's because the director is in charge you know he's just you really can tell there's a master sitting and making a masterful film. Yeah, and it's on a culture okay. totally different from his own because he's not Japanese. He's not, you know, and the guy's like, but that's what I'm saying to you. It's effortlessly, man. It's done effortlessly. in a way where he doesn't stereotype the culture, where he understands where there was a lot of research in that culture. You can feel it in a way where it's not overdone. It's not caricatured. I mean, I, I remember... I got- Yeah. Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah. I remember once listening to a review of the movie Aladdin and the guy criticized it as being racist, but not in a way where it's offensive, but where it's racist, where the people who made the movie didn't understand the culture that if it's presented to a regular audience, they're going to be totally ignorant of the Arabic culture. And that's a fair criticism because he's not attacking them as mean spirited, just as ignorant of what the of what they did. But with Silence, a film exploring Japanese culture, it looked like it was well-researched from Scorsese, who had been trying to make it for decades. Yeah, they began, I think, 1986, the process. And and, and, and he tried in 1992, but I guess he realized he couldn't, you know, he wasn't ready. But long story short, man, that's a master at his best just sitting and, and 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 watching it you can tell frame by frame someone who's so confident in his work and like you said tapping into a different culture and and masterfully it's crazy and the music see i got so touched with the music that i literally got that composer for my next movie nice yeah like i was just blown away man like that music was so beautiful and i said you know what i have to have this man do do who's our the composer movie. this is really embarrassing i can't even pronounce the name but when we are done you should look it up um i can't even say his name you know but it's a couple it's 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 a couple let me, um, let me check i'll check right now let me just really quick yeah check you know but they're, they're good man he's Silence's music is I I have downloaded all of them, man. I listen to it a lot of times. Beautiful, man. Haunting and touching, you know. Kim is it Kit Kim Allen Clog and Catherine Clog? Yeah, Catherine, yeah, but Kim, yeah, the, the first one, yeah, it's it's him. Yeah, yeah it's because there was two composers, and I just check really quickly, but yeah. right, the main one yeah. is, is is the gentleman, and then um, but yeah, man, they they are they're good, man. They're very good. And uh, what did you think about his recent film, The Irishman? I love The Irishman, but to be honest with you, Joe Pashi absolutely stole the show. Joe Pashi stole every frame, and that's another masterpiece from, from uh, Scorsese. It's a three-hour and plus that went by for me like an hour. Um, a lot of people don't even watch this movie because when they see the runtime, they just... But that's another, I think, brilliant movie from him. Um, just from the beginning to uh, the Pacino's character, but I think Joe Pesci, man. You know, it's interesting. I heard once somebody tell me they didn't like it because there was too much talking. And I'm like, this is... I mean, Martin Scorsese... And let me... I'm not at the dumb part yet. Oh. The guy who told me this was a guy who grew up in that era watching those Scorsese films that he loves, like Goodfellas and Raging Bull, where there's a lot of talking. And it's just, I found it ironic. There's no action. Yeah. There's no action in those movies. There's Goodfellas, a- there's no action. There's barely a... a, a there's a some gun- murders. Uh, but, but there's yeah, movies. yeah, but it's not like an action. Yeah, it's not stereotypical action. It's just too. It's basically a guy. I mean, the most action you can get in that movie is when Robert De Niro walks up to that guy with the wigs, who sells the wigs, after he says "fuck him," and he just wraps his a wire around his neck because and harasses him. But that's not action. That's just like a confrontation. I think. Yeah, I think that, or when Ray Liotta walks across the neighbors and then hits the guy with the with the gun. Uh, to protect his women. That's it. So there's no action in that movie. This guy, this guy and his analogy, I don't know where he's coming from. 
But um, all of Scorsese's movie, beside Gangs of New York, which had some proper action, mostly is talking, really. Casino, a lot of talking, another great film. So I don't know what this guy was, what's going on with him, but uh, The Irishman was a good movie, in my opinion, man. Really, really good movie. The only sad part was that it didn't get that much of a release in cinemas, and that's just what made me... But the story is Martin Scorsese, he had complete creative control, but only for Netflix. He couldn't do that for a studio, and that just messed up because you think a studio, a studio would no. give funding. No, even, even actually with me, if I'm making a movie, the first thing they tell you, make sure it's 90 or below. Do not even dare because they know these generation, they're not going to go sit in a cinema for three hours watch a movie. You remember Master and Commander? I haven't seen it. Do you understand that's a masterpiece, classic, that was a major failure because it's runtime and the studios were fighting with the director and he didn't budge. And he said, listen, I'm making a movie from my vision. And they told him, but we can't, you need to cut this runtime run down. You should watch it. And I know you will actually probably love it. It's just a masterpiece. It's a lot of talking. It's a you know drama. I don't in the mind. Sea. In the sea. But it's a masterpiece movie, man. But a lot of, I, again, it was another movie that I was by myself watching in the cinema day one. What's because the of the runtime. Run what is the runtime? It's, it's, it's uh, less than three hours. I think like two hours and 45 minutes. Wow. But it's just that, like I said, they even now, if you approach a studio, the first thing they tell you, oh, okay, good, good. Is it 80 minutes? Is it 75, 80 minutes? That's what they are looking for because they don't want you to, to have it two hours. And like right now, above two hours, it's an if. You know, and with the Irishman, the same thing, man. I know people took them weeks to finish that movie. With my schedule, just took me a few days because of watching it bit by bit, but I was watching it consistently. And I enjoyed it. I watched it. I When I sit, I don't care, man. If it's three, four, five hours, I watch it. I watched that movie from beginning to end. As a matter of fact, I watched it on the plane again. And I've seen it, uh, you know, I don't think, I think it's beautiful. Uh, I love movies that really tap deep into characters and, and describes the, everything, you know, for you. Where you, well, they don't you describe know, it. You know. They just show you it and you have to form your interpretation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I recently saw, and the movie was short, but it was still very deep, five easy pieces of Jack Nicholson. And the ending is uh -huh. so well done because it doesn't tell you he doesn't I mean they don't tell you what's going on. They just show you by the way he's looking at himself in the mirror in that final scene and how he just leaves the girlfriend. He just goes somewhere else. He doesn't tell you where he's going. He's just he walked away from a life that he was very unhappy with. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Listen, man, let's do this again. I would love to set up something else with you. Oh, yeah. Um, and please, yeah, yeah. Share this podcast with anybody you know that you think would be interested in anybody you think would be interested in being on it. Because I love talking with you. And uh, I mean, Hassan, I'm really grateful for the time you've you've given me to speak with you. And I wanted to know. I mean, in addition to the profile links you have, where else can people find, learn, and find out more about you and your work? Yeah, I, I don't do social media, man. I stay away from all that. Uh, our film right now, as I said, it's in major festivals, but I'm also dealing with distribution. So soon um, I will have it probably on some of those major um, networks such as Hulu, Netflix. So, but for people to find out, you know, my MDB, everything is there. Um, people can watch our zero budget film, The Crossing the Line on YouTube. The Tasmanian Devil, the Delano Files will soon be getting distribution. They'll be going out and um, whether it's limited release cinema or, or, or those um, uh, platforms, they'll be on it. But all of my concentration now, all of our focus is on our next movie, which will go to major festivals again. 
Uh, but listen, man, I'm really grateful to you as well. Uh, you got something great going. Continue doing it, man. And I will 100% share it with a lot of people. And uh, I'd love to be on this again. And what I would like to do is when we begin our film, which is January 8th to January 20th, we could do a live feed um, from it. Where, 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 where are you located? I'm in uh, Pompano Beach. Pompano Beach, Florida, right? Yeah, Fort La that's close to Fort Lauderdale. When, where are you right hey, now? I'm in Miami. I'm in Miami right now. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing location scouting. I'm in Miami. So, um, but yeah, man, part yeah, of the film will be in Miami. A live feed? Yeah, and you could, yeah, yeah or, 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 or you could come, man. You could come on set. And do your um, interviews and do your uh, podcast or whatever live on the set, man. There will be some, um, I've, I've definitely got a major A-list actor involved. I can't name it yet, but um, you'll have access to those. You know, you could do behind the scenes and stuff and uh, use it for your content, man. No problem at all. Oh, well, I'll definitely look into that. Thank you. I would really appreciate that. Just let me know when that starts. I'll, I mean, I don't have a camera i mean i'm actually just filming this from a laptop for my apartment where i work but yeah i'll figure a way out i've got can... i've got i've got plenty of smaller cameras so you don't have to worry about that mark it on your calendar january 8th to the 20th it's a 12 day shoot you could choose one of those days you could choose one of those weekends and uh you know just let me know hey man i'm on this day i would love to come all right no problem but i've got plenty of cameras man don't worry about that you could use one and then download the data and uh, start editing it and do what you got to do with it okay well again Hassan thank you again for giving me your time good luck to you with your work I'll make sure to include all the link all the links to your work and just the all the ways people can find you for the description and uh, I'll send you this episode once I publish it it shouldn't take long because editing for me is relatively easy Absolutely, man. No worries. Send it to me and then let's reconnect again and go from there. Okay. Okay, Hassan. Thank you again. All right, buddy. I sure, man. Take care. Take it easy.